0: Love Talk Radio. And Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another special edition of the Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, as we recap on this post-game show as the United States defeating Trinidad and Tobago by a final of three goals to nil over at the Q2 Stadium in Austin, Texas. Joining me on this one is Fabian Rankel from our Area Sportsnet. Fabian, uh... <laughs> I have to admit that I really thought this was going to be a nil-nil draw in the opening leg of this quarterfinal series with Trinidad and Tobago, Uh, but they found a way to score three within the final ten minutes of the match, and they're able to have a comfortable result going down to Port of Spain
1: this coming Monday. Yeah, honestly, I thought I was going to come on here... Wondering what are we going to talk about, you know, what, what, what went wrong. But um, all is forgiven, a 3-0 win for the USMNT, and we got a couple of good goals in there. So hopefully they get the job done down in Trinidad and Tobago, which they definitely should. I mean, this is a team that could easily, you know, play a little bit of bunker ball and, and, and just cruise the, the rest of the way.
0: Absolutely, and you know, let's. I want to delve into Trinidad and Tobago first. I, I think it's time to really uh, talk about and give them a lot of credit in this one. I mean, look, it's great that they the USA beat them three nil, but I mean, let's give them a tons of credit here. I thought Angus Eve. I mean, it's really a tale of so many stories in this match on the Trinidad side. I thought Angus Eve played this one very well trying to stifle the the USA's attack, especially clogging up the middle of the field, just finding ways to frustrate the USA and, I mean, give Denzel Smart uh, a lot of props as well. I mean, he played brilliant in goal until those final 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, it's it's something that's really unfortunate about soccer, right? It's not over till the final whistle. And, uh, yeah, a lot of these guys for, for TNT, they played a phenomenal game. I even want to highlight that um, they they had a couple of offensive kind of spritz at the end with Levi Garcia leading the way. Um, if you don't know Levi, he plays under Matias Almeida's A.K. Athens, so they do have players that can score goals, right? So um, yeah, unfortunately they played a great game. I, I want to say, you know, Ricardo Pepe saving the United States national team happens again, and, it, and it's going to keep on happening. So um, yeah, I, I think it was a overall not the best game. You know, almost had a snooze feather in the middle there. Um, but, hey, they broke down that, that low block eventually. Uh, they brought in Pepe. Two strikers got the job done. Anthony Robinson had a great game. But, yeah, I mean, Trinidad and Tobago, they were having great games. And, and they would have had a better score line. But I think this, that's the time where you want to have some veteran players on the field to maybe slow down the game a bit more. Um uh, and, and you know, if they did have those veteran guys, who knows? It might have been a 0-0 draw, and then they would have, you know, faked a couple injuries and and, and taken their time with every goal kick. But, yeah, th- that's the biggest difference there, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, just bunkering in, I thought, was the big, big game plan by Angus Eve because we also saw another thing in this one that is to the USA's detriment, unfortunately. Christian Pulisic going down with an injury, not so much with an injury, but uh, muscle fatigue playing at AC Milan during their Champions League match uh, over the week in midweek period. And you can definitely see when you don't have Christian Pulisic out there on the pitch uh, at least dictating terms for the USA, especially helping out both Gio Reyna and Florin Balogun, you can definitely see there's a problem there. And Greg Berhalter's got to find a way to get someone in there to really, I'm not saying you have to replace Pulisic on this team, but at least match him for his ability and for his passion to be out there to control the ball and to have him be the focus so that he can spread the ball around in front of him with both Baligan and Reyna, and at the same time helping out the midfielders to bring the ball up the pitch.
1: Yeah, look, hey, the guy who usually is that is that player is out too. I mean, Timothy Weah is just as necessary to this offense as Christian Pulisic, in my opinion. And we, it's almost like you need some selfish players because before Pepe got on, it was pass after pass after pass. And, you, you know, if you're flow, you're getting pretty frustrated in there not being able to even get a single cross in. But I, I also feel like in the first half, they were they were doing a lot of crosses where, you know, I don't think uh, Flo is the type of you know striker to go ahead and and head a whole bunch of goals in. So to me, it was a bit odd. Um, and and I think Greg made that adjustment with Pepe. Uh, they started doing some low crosses in as well. And then once the goals started coming in, I thought Reina then took control of the game. But you're you're completely right. This team needs a captain. When when Ballistic's not there, this team needs someone to kind of direct the offense. Um, but I don't think we'll be in the situation much where Wea and Polistic are both missing because, again, I think Wea is just as necessary to this team, in, at least in Berhalter ball, um, that Weah is extremely necessary too. So, uh, again, I think the team's still young. I want to see either you know McKinney, Reyna, some, or Flo step up and, 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 and start telling guys where to go, just like Polistick would.
0: No, I agree with you there. Yeah, Tim Wayo is also a big missing piece as well. I agree with you, actually, because it looks like to me Balogun needs some service. He really needs someone to not only deliver the ball up and down the flanks, but to at least give him those dangerous crosses that he can control and power it past Uh, the goalkeeper, to convert those chances. Absolutely correct there as well. Uh, Yeah, Tim Way was missing too, and that's a real shame because if those two are in the starting 11, obviously, it's a whole different story, and probably they would have broken through a lot earlier than the final 10 minutes of this match.
1: Yeah, and and it was... I I mean, of course, when you're playing a a man up for, you know, what, 60-plus minutes, yeah, they're going to eventually get tired, and and we saw that, right? So getting three goals within 10 minutes is is what was expected, right? So, um, again, the team got it done. Maybe not in the prettiest way possible. Maybe there was some USA fans hoping it was a 0-0 draw so that maybe Burhalter gets a little bit on the hot seat again. But, man, Burhalter really, really likes to make the U.S. Men's National Team fan base, you know, suffer because – this is something that could have been avoided if they adjusted a little earlier.
0: I agree with you. I really thought he should have made the substitutions at the start of the second half. Uh, unfortunately, he just, like you said, he likes to make the the, uh, the fan base suffer, which is, uh, it should not happen. But uh, unfortunately, that's what the situation calls for uh, from him. And uh, I mean, look, he made the right subs, just he made it too late.
1: Right, right. No, I I agree. Yeah Tillman for me wasn't really adding much and Peretta's you know it was a big opportunity for him but I I still think he's he's not too ready for that position yet. I I don't think he's 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 a young player. He's going to he's going to probably be a very serviceable uh, serviceable piece in the future but again maybe not the stage for him just just yet. Um and Tillman a little bit of a disappointing in my opinion a little bit of a disappointing kind of outing for him. Uh, Pepe came on and completely changed the game. And if, if this is going to happen again, Greg needs to make that adjustment to go two strikers instantly. Again, because Volagon isn't that type of striker that's just going to bruise over defenders that are bigger than him and, and score he- heading goals. He, he's a striker that's going to need through balls. He's a striker that's going to need to be able to, you know, shoot in the box. Uh, and, and Pepe kind of takes those defenders off of him and gets them a little bit more space or, or vice versa, right? Balogon takes the defenders with him and, and gives Pepe some space. So um, interesting to see Pepe take so long to get on the field. But, again, saving the United States Men's National Team, Ricardo Pepe.
0: And let me tell you something as well, Fabian, is this, is that when you check the heat map in this game, you don't have to look at the percentages for Trinidad because it's going to be bare. Everything will be in the USA's end, or shall we say the USA being in Trinidad's end, both both halves. Matt Turner had absolutely nothing to do, maybe a few touches here and there, um, maybe just on errant balls or whatever. But other than that, Matt Turner had a free – You know, no bother, no hands game in this one because uh, Trinidad, I think they were looking to really stump the USA, prevent them from getting any goals, and just going to take the nil-nil draw and take it back home down in Trinidad, back to Port of Spain.
1: Right, and right now I'm looking at this from off the jack. Uh, With five goals, Ricardo Pepe is the first player to score five goals as a substitute in a single calendar year. So, again, this is a guy who who helps the United States National team. Um, he's an energizer, but, uh, energizer Bunny when he gets on the field. Um, but, yeah, he's saving this team. And, and Matt Turner, man, <laughs> what a game for him not to do anything, right? Uh, he had a great showing because I, I'm not so sure. Did Trinidad go have a shot on goal? Maybe one. But what a game. He just didn't have to do anything, right?
0: No, nah, he didn't have to do anything. He really wasn't bothered that much. I mean, maybe a shot here and there, but other than that, nothing much to do. I do want to go back to Ricardo Pepe with you, of course, um, because that is an amazing stat that you brought up there that you got from the game. Five goals by a substitute in a calendar year. That is amazing. And it also goes to show you, Fabian, how much Pepe is trying to prove Halter wrong for not including him on the World Cup Qatar roster last year in November, December. Uh, I mean, I thought that was a mistake not bringing him at all. And look what he's doing so far. Of course, playing in the Everdeversie, I believe, for Feyenoord. Just uh, unbelievable what he is doing right now in the Netherlands. And I think he's making a case to not just be on, you know, if when they do qualify for the Copa America, but be on that roster for the World Cup coming in 2026.
1: Look, and, and it's not, to me, it's not really a thing for Berhalter to play with two strikers, but, I mean, look at this here. Uh, Folarin Balogun has contributed it to at least uh, one goal in five of his first seven appearances. Um, the third player since 2000 uh, to do so with... Eddie Long, and Brendan Aronson. So, Balogon is getting involved as well. So, this is a tough decision for Halter. right? Do you go with the guy who's just scoring to save you, or do you go with the creator? So, it's something that I think these players both need to be on the pitch. And since we don't have Ballistic and we don't have Weah, maybe it's the time to try something new uh, in, in Trinidad and Tobago. So, um, again, it might be an easier way the next game, but – Maybe we try some new things, so we're not stuck in the situation. Let's see if Burhalter can adjust.
0: I agree with you there. Absolutely agree with you there. Uh, we'll see what happens, and hopefully he will adjust. Because, Look, I've been critical about Berhalter, uh, depending on what happens. He always has, at times, either he gets it correct in the first half, and then he makes a mistake in the second half, and it costs him the match, or he makes a horrible mistake to start the match, Goes into halftime to correct it and saves his own bacon to get the necessary result that we all want. I will say this: I think I, I just think that it's not so much the case of he made a mistake; he went with what he had to go with, and it didn't really bite him in the in the in the backside. But still, though, it, it just felt like the players just they looked a little lost. And sometimes, yeah. when you hold the ball too long and you're not taking shots, then you're basically psyching yourself out. And at the same time, you're giving the opposition the confidence to prevent you from basically taking those attempts on frame. And look what uh, Trinidad did. Like I said before earlier, you know, they clogged the middle of the pitch to prevent them. But finally, the USA broke through late in the match.
1: Yeah, and you know it's almost like they should have started with Pepe. I mean, they're at Q2 Stadium in Austin, a place where Ricardo Pepe has scored a lot of goals. And a lot of the fan base, uh, you know, it was a little different for them. This time they were cheering on the Pepe goal instead of of, uh, getting mad at it, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, though, Uh, thankfully, they were able to break through and uh, get in there and uh, find a way to uh, get the necessary result that they had to get. Uh, what else was going to say? You know, like I said, let's go back to uh, Denzel Denzel Smart real quick. Uh, he made some fabulous saves. I mean, look, I mean, I would love to give credit to Matt Turner, but unfortunately, he didn't do much. But Denzel Smart right. really made some big time saves. Big time save on Dest maybe one or two shots that he stopped Dest on uh, another chance uh, from Pepe uh, just really played a strong night in net for Trinidad. And they really found a way to get it
1: done. Yeah. It's funny when, when the way it goes, right? I mean, the goalie that gave up three goals is the best goalie in the match. Right. So um, yeah, he had a strong, <laughs> strong game it's just it's it's funny to say right it's just uh yeah he had a strong game uh but you know what what can you what can you do right you can only block some of the goals uh you could try to block them all but unfortunately with with what the usa was bringing at the, the last 10 minutes of the game or 20 minutes of the game is you know some goals were inevitable and and it was just a lot of back and forth and until the floodgates opened. And, and I want to ask you a little bit, what do you feel about Anthony Robin's celebration, uh, Robinson's celebration? Uh, some people weren't too happy about that. I know Hercules Gomez posted on Twitter, what are you doing backflips for? You still have more goals to score, right? So what did you think about that?
0: I Listen, look, I'm not the one that is going to, you know, throw – Uh, Salt in the wound. I'm not going to be the one of those that's going to sour on a celebration. Look, it took them how many minutes to finally get that opening goal and finally break through the dam? I'm sorry. I know Hercules Gomez. Look, I I think he's a great uh, analyst. I think he does well on Football Americas, on ESPN+. Uh, and being with the ESPN FC, I'm not going to question him. That's how he feels. That's okay. I understand. But the truth of the matter is this: let him celebrate. Let him do backflips. I mean, how how many times have you seen a wingback, uh, you know, or uh, a fullback score a goal like that? My God, from 19 right. yards out, just outside the 18, and how he buried that ball! I mean, look, let him celebrate, Herc. Let him celebrate. I don't have a problem with it. Look. I mean, let's just be grateful that they at least got three out of this. This could have – I mean, look, granted, it should have been five. It should have been six. I understand where he's coming from, but I'm still not going to mute a a goal scorer celebration uh, just because, you know, I I want to take a shot at him celebrating. Absolutely not.
1: Yeah, it's a little tough, right? I mean, they were up a man for about 50 minutes, and then they broke the floodgates. Yeah, what a beautiful goal. I mean, Jedi – to me, maybe might be man of the match for his assist on the Pepe goal and, and that goal, right? So, um, at a stellar match, something that you don't see a goal like that scored by a fullback usually. Uh But, yeah, let him celebrate. I mean, he did it well, too. It's not like he he messed up the, the celebration, right? So, definitely, in my opinion, let celebrate. And, and I could see Herc's anger. I mean, you know – Trinidad DiVago came into this game as 60-1 to 1 underdogs, right? Game should have been done and dusted, and maybe, you know, all the bench players should play the next one. But I, I guess, you know, you have to play some starters next game, and, and that's not ideal. You know, you want to be able to give some guys some, some rest from their very busy schedules. But, hey, you know, what's what's an extra game for of Berhal- ball, ball to not, you know, concede any goals? Because they are pretty good at not conceding. That's for sure.
0: No, that's for sure. And let me just say this. I mean, look, we all know it's goal aggregate. We all know what's going on. We understand the situation moving forward. Got to score as many goals as possible. Believe me, I would love for them to go out and, you know, put basically a seven up on them if they can. But obviously that's not the case. And as we are, oh, my God, as I'm taking a look right now, of course the other League A quarterfinal first leg can you believe this, Fabian? Costa Rica is down three goals to nil at home to Panama. Panama just scored. Their third goal of their match down in Costa Rica. I believe it's at the Ricardo Saprissa Stadium. And I have never seen Costa Rica being dominated the way that Panama is basically putting the saw to them right now.
1: Yeah, hey, look, Panama's a good team. I mean, we're talking about a team that beat the United States in the Gold Cup, and went on to almost beat Mexico and lift that trophy. Again, they're they're led by Coco arascaia if you guys know, uh, of the player from Houston. I mean, this, this Panama team is a new Panama team, and it's a team that the United States are going to have to worry about. Um, on the other side of things, Costa Rica, man, how the greats have fallen. Again, a team that maybe has had their best days behind them, uh, with the likes of Taylor Navas and Brian Ruiz and Joel Campbell, unfortunately those players aren't are, aren't young enough to keep up with the, the likes of the new Panamanian, you know, counterparts. So, again, it, it is a shocking, you know, 3-0 away, <laughs> away lead. But this Panama team, they're scary. And I think this is definitely putting them on the map in this tournament for sure.
0: Michael Murillo, the former New York Red Bull fullback, uh, opened the scoring in the fourth minute. Uh, Jose Fajardo, Faj- I hope I pronounced his last name correctly. I don't- you can help me if I butcher it. It's okay. Fajardo in the 29th minute. <laughs> yeah, you did and, uh, Oh, thank you very much. I, won. <laughs> I swear I'll be $10 in the mistake jar if I do screw it up. I know that. Uh, <laughs> Cecilia Waterman, who just converted the third goal at the hour mark, down at the Ricardo Saprissa Stadium. And my goodness, I cannot believe what is going on. Costa Rica right now, three men booked to Panama's one. And let's also give credit, of course, Thomas Christensen, the manager of the Panamanian men's national team, Ever since he signed in to take over for the Central American side, um, what can you say? He, he's just been amazing, leading them to I think was I think their first Gold Cup final uh, in a very yep. long time. Before even uh, you know, yeah, I know they lost to Mexico one nil, but still, though they held their own against Mexico and they could have won that one too.
1: Yeah, I mean Costa Rica. Looking at this lineup that they put out, I mean, this this is a ghost of the Costa Rican – I mean, this team is really a skeleton of what it was before. No Navas, no Ruiz. Joel Campbell is there, but that's really it. I mean, you look at the Panamanian squad, and I know I know this isn't an MLS kind of show, but you, you see some MLS guys in there like Annabelle Godoy, you know, Coco uh, – like I was saying, Carrasquilla. A guy who's going to be playing in Europe. So again, Panama has always had some solid pieces, but maybe this is this might be a golden generation coming up for this Panamanian squad, and and I think they're just going to slot right into that role that Costa Rica was in, where they they were the third best team in Concacaf, and now we're looking at the new one here.
0: Absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, We'll see what they'll do now. I mean, I I have the match on. Of course, it's on Paramount Plus for those of you that want to watch it right now while you're uh, listening to and Me. And once again, this is the Four Teams Fire American Soccer Show. United States defeating uh, Trinidad and Tobago by a final of three goals to nil. Big goals from who else but Anthony Robinson, Gio Reyna, and, of course, Ricardo Pepe, who opened up the scoring finally, late in this matchup to uh, get that three nil victory. Um, you know, I'm taking a look at the uh, statistics in this one and, uh, unbelievable here for the United States altogether, 22 shots by the U S Fabian and nothing for Trinidad, nothing, absolutely nothing. Uh, the only advantages Trinidad has had right now, they've had 17 steals out of 11, uh, and uh, I would say uh, that's about it. The United States also dominated on corners, with ten of them nil for Trinidad. Uh, three times they were offside. Trinidad USA had the better of the, of the possession at seventy-two percent to the twenty-eight to Trinidad. And uh, USA fouled thirteen times while Trinidad fouled nine. But let's get to, of course, the former New York Rebel Academy player Noah Powder. Sadly, to double yellows and then into red, especially twice on Weston McKinney on two tackles. That secondary tackle—I mean, if it was just a regular tackle, I don't think he would have been carded. But I think the way he swung at McKinney, how could you not? How could you not give him a yellow on that one? And that was number two, and he was sent off right away, and that put the USA up a man for the rest of the
1: match. Yeah. A very a very bonehead move, especially that early in the game to get two yellow cards and and unfortunately really give your team no chance of of getting some sort of result on the road. But hey, I mean their team really they they rallied behind that and they almost pulled it off. So again, a very valiant effort, uh, even if they only had one or no shots um, and zero shots on target. Oh, it could have been a 0-0 result for Trinidad and Tobago and and again, this is suffering. This is Berhalter ball. This is not the same BJ Callahan USMNT in the last Nation League where they were just running teams off of the field and you know, I'm exci- I'm excited for the next game, but I'm also worried for the next game, right? Will Berhalter learn a bit? Yeah, he probably will, and we probably will move on, but man, this next matchup or the next matchup coming up in this nation's league is not going to be as you know smooth sailing as this one.
0: No, I agree with you there. I think that's the one thing I hope that Burhalter does do. Uh, he does learn from his mistakes with the starting 11 because now if you take a look at the bench players, and we're going to take a look here once again with the starting 11, I mean, look. I think it's time Brendan Aronson actually starts uh, this, this next match down in Port of Spain at Hazley Crawford Stadium. I think it's time for him to get that opportunity to be in the starting 11. But let me ask you this, because I wrote back uh, at Beyond the 90, uh, that's of course uh, the Substack website with Carter Krishnaier, um, that there's a possible battle for the number nine spot brewing between Balogun and Pepe. And even though Pepe right now, maybe he's not getting starting minutes uh, for his club currently, and he is coming off the bench, do you feel maybe now he's better off coming off the bench than maybe starting uh, in these matches?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, this is the sad case of Ricardo Pepe, right? If this wasn't Greg Berhalter, you know, leading the charge on this team, I would say maybe we have the, Maybe we have a case of Ricardo Pepe starting this game. But, again, this is the same Greg Berhalter that left Ricardo Pepe off of the roster for the World Cup, right? So I think Berhalter has a clear, clear view of who is a starting striker on this team. And, again, since Balogon is, is still pretty new to this team, pretty fresh to this uh, whole I mean, nation, I would say, maybe we keep him there so that he doesn't have any doubts of choosing us over England. Um, I think Ricardo is doing a great job, especially with that stat with five five goals in one calendar a year coming in. That's a sub. I mean, man, that's an energizer energizer bunny, and it and every team's gonna need something like that. So if Ricardo Pepe can find a role coming in off the bench and can understand his role and be okay with it, I don't think there needs to be anything, you know, any sort of conspiracy or any sort of you know, trial to make Ricardo Pepe the main striker. Cause if he knows his place and, and if he's being mature about coming off the bench and adding value to this team, I think keeping it the way it is with Balogon starting is the best case for all scenarios.
0: No, I agree with you there, and obviously that's the situation. Uh, look, I'm glad I'm not Greg Berhalter. I'm glad I'm not the head coach of the U.S. men's national team because obviously these are the decisions that you've got to make as a head coach. Who is going to be starting and who are you are going to choose to come off the bench to give a spark or just to add on to the scoring, depending on where you are during the match. So obviously I agree with you there. Uh, I mean, look, I don't think Balogun will be sitting anytime soon, but you never know. Pepe could be making a big case for himself. He's going to continue to score. Um, And he may get snuck into a starting 11 here and there. But for now, uh, wow, five goals as a substitute is just nothing to sneeze at within a calendar year is just unbelievable. When have you ever seen a substitute be that productive, whether it be club football? or national team football. Oh, I know one, but it was a long, long time ago. The Norwegian super sub of Manchester United during the Sir Alex Ferguson days, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> that is the only player who came off the bench as a substitute that would always find a way to put the ball in the back of the net every time his number was called in. Other than that, right now, Pepe's the second.
1: Yeah, for me, uh, it's Joe Litch from the LA Galaxy. Last year, he it seemed like every time he came in as a sub for Chicharito or Javier Hernandez, he was scoring a goal. Uh, but, again, I mean, we're talking about MLS and, and, and not you know, Premier League or international play. So, definitely, Ricardo Pepe, even though it may be opponents, he's scoring goals, he's still scoring important goals. Again, a goal in 2021 to save Greg Berhalter and a goal – maybe tonight to save Greg Verhalter's job. And it's just ironic that Greg Verhalter has never repaid the favor with the World Cup team for Pepe, that's for sure.
0: No, I agree with you there. Absolutely, for sure. We'll see what happens uh, in the second leg quarterfinal on Monday night. So it should be exciting and it should be a lot of fun. Um, As we continue on here on the Four Seasons Fire American Soccer Show, uh, let's also recap some scores in World Cup qualifying. Of course, uh, we have going on South American World Cup qualifying. Can you believe this? I I can't believe uh, what I'm reading here on the FIFA website here, especially for the World Cup site going on, in the qualifiers section, I mean, if you have the Magic 8 ball and you shook it up and it says to you that Argentina and Brazil would lose on the same day in World Cup qualifying, I mean, that's that's something I wouldn't have on my bingo card, but oh my God, Uruguay under Marcelo Bielsa defeating the defending World Cup champions, Argentina, two goals to nil, and Colombia defeating Brazil. Of course, Neymar is out with uh, you know an ACL injury. They defeat Brazil, Colombia, two goals to one. That is unheard of. Right. That is just unfathomable. And if someone said to you, hey, here's what happened. No, you're drunk. What are you talking about? There's no way this happened. You're drunk.
1: We we talk about it. nope, nope. There it is. It's right there in black and white. Yeah. Hey, look. You know, the Uruguay one. Since since my parents are Uruguayan, I, I you know I follow the team very very closely. And and this Uruguay team was going to look really really good once they get all their players back from injury. I mean, Josema he plays for Atlético Madrid, and he's 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 the captain for the for Uruguay. Excuse me. Uh, and he's he's a center part of that team, and they were missing him. Uh, another one is Araujo. I mean, Araujo was out for a long time, and, and he plays for Barcelona, and he, he's there he's our right back, and he and he scored a goal today. And then another player that is is a world class player, but hasn't been healthy for the national team is Rodrigo Betancourt. I mean, a player that came in for came on for an injury, but there's not many times that you can say your sub is better than your starter, right? So. Um, I think this is this is a perfect whirlwind for Uruguay where they're getting all of their players back at a great time, all the players that have been there before with the Luis Suarez's and, and Cavani, and then they're getting an injection of new players. I mean, they're getting Ugarte and, and uh, Darwin Nunez, players that are going to be world-class with a whole bunch of life left for their national team. And, and again, this is a sneaky team. I, I know I, I'm a little biased with it because – I am 100% Uruguayan, but I think they're a dark horse again for this 2026 20, World Cup. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa is playing or is coaching them out of their mind. I mean, I've never seen Darwin Nunez have such a great season, and, and definitely having a season with Liverpool is helping, but playing with the national team, he's never been so confident. So I'd like to see that Suarez didn't have to come off the bench and that's always a good thing right so again there was a, right after Darwin Núñez scored to to cement the win for Uruguay this is the first time Uruguay has won against Argentina in 10 years so this is such a big deal for Uruguay again a team that's that's no joke in the world in the world scene either but Darwin Núñez came off the bed, or off the field crying hugging Suarez because this means so much to them that it's been 10 years and and on the other side where Colombia beats Brazil, you know, this Brazil team might be a little bit lost without Neymar. It might be the same situation as the United States men's national team where they're, they're a little lost without ballistics. Um, But what a great story. Luis Diaz, I believe, scores two goals for a win. You know, they show his dad, who just recently was kidnapped by, by some people in, in Colombia, and they just recently got him back, but just celebrating his son's goals, being there for his son while his son gets to really beat Brazil for the first time in, in their nation's history. Uh, a beautiful day of soccer. Um, a very, very different case with the earlier games in the South American qualifying compared to what we saw in Trinidad and Tobago and versus the United States, but at least we got to see some goals at the end of that one.
0: I'll also say this, Fabian. I mean, I did not know your family is Uruguayan, but I like uruguay as well um it's not so much that it's the speed or the pace that they deliver and of course the strength of their defense i think they're very good technically as well i think they're probably one of the better technical sides up and down south america not to say that argentina is not technical enough but still though i think our uruguay has that that special thing that they love to do out there on the football pitch so absolutely i mean you could definitely say Messi's on a different level, that's for sure. But outside, well, we'll see what happens the day that Messi retires from international football or from football as a whole. But, you know, like I said, I love Uruguay. I think they're very technically gifted, not just the pace, not just their strength on defense. But like I said, I think their technical ability is just far none the best of the best.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, Messi, like you said, is a level ahead of everybody. But for this Argentina side if Messi's not playing at the level he's used to, they're not playing to what they should be, right? So this Argentina side is, is in a little bit of a, I would say, you know, a, a championship hangover, right? They're waiting for Messi to step up, and, and they did that against Ecuador earlier in the qualifying, and they secured all three points. And, and But Ecuador as well, a team that has a whole bunch of MLS players and a whole bunch of players, I mean, Calcedo, of course, who plays for Chelsea, you know, very, very good quality players for Ecuador. But they also have MLS players on their starting lineup, and and they shut down Argentina for a, a good 90 minutes. And Messi got a late free kick goal in at the last second to secure all three points for them. So, you know, it might be a changing of the tide for Argentina, and hopefully Messi's level doesn't drop because it, it can be a problem coming soon if, if no other player steps up and it's a little hard to step up too right if if you're playing with the best player in the world he just won you guys a world cup he he's he just won his eighth balloon to oro he's going to need to step up because if a player tries to step up instead of him it, you know it it might cause some locker room problems or or, or or you know it's just it's it's an awkward situation it's going to be a bit tough but argentina will be okay um venezuela has 8 points uh, for the for the qualifying, and that's a little that's a little shocking in, in my book. Um, Josef Martinez and company uh, doing the job for Venezuela because uh, you know Venezuela is usually at the bottom of the table for South American qualifying.
0: Absolutely. I absolutely agree. I think Venezuela is having a renaissance. Uh, I mean, when have we ever seen Venezuela do anything positive on the international stage? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They're always in the right. bottom three, bottom four um, in the uh, in the standings for Conmebol World Cup qualifying. And it looks like now, let's be honest, uh, Savarino, even when Christian Casares Jr. was with the New York Red Bulls, now who's over at Toulouse in uh, Ligue 1. I mean, the Venezuelans are now getting better and better and better, and they're no longer going to be the doormats of South American football. I mean, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, but the same thing goes for, I mean, it's funny that Venezuela's having a little you know, surge, but then on the other side, Peru, man, Peru lost 2-0 to Bolivia. I mean, a, a team that still has players that a lot of Americans know. Like Alexander Collins from uh, NYCSE where, where he was before when he won a championship, uh, Pedro Gaya uh, from Orlando City, Marcos Lopez from the or he former San Jose Earthquake, it's just not getting the job done. They have one point throughout this whole qualifiers, and they and they stand at the low uh, at the lowest point point of this group, um, losing to two to zero to Bolivia. That's tough, um, and, and it's going to be tough to to get out of this hole that they're in. Five games in, one point. Uh, Peru's a team that was always, you know, knocking for the World Cup, and they almost made it last time. But, yeah, this time, I don't see it coming. I mean, where it stands right now it's Argentina at 12 points, Uruguay at 10, Colombia at 9, and Venezuela at 8. You know, I'm missing one one big, big soccer nation. Brazil at five with seven points. Brazil, again, one of the most powerful soccer nations in the world of all time in fifth position, but maybe there's going to be a little shakeup there. They need to see how their team is going to look without Neymar, but again, they have the talent with Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. They should be able to get the job done in no time.
0: Absolutely. Um, just a quick update for everyone here. It's in the 82nd minute right now. Still three nil Panama uh, over Costa Rica at the Ricardo Saprissa Stadium. And uh, Fabian, the Costa Ricans are now starting to file out for the exits. I, I think I, I think they know it's over. <laughs> I, I'm just amazed, yeah. especially especially against Costa Rica. I mean, obviously, we all knew that a change was going to be made once a couple of players were done playing for the national team, like Kaylor novice and goal, but wow, just to see how Panama is playing and dominating this matchup, Costa Rica right now having a free kick, but still though, it's just amazing what's going on here in this matchup.
1: Yeah. And yeah, seeing the Costa Rican fans at home leave early, that's, that's a sight that no Costa Rican wants to, to see. And, and, and I know a couple of Costa Ricans, I have some close friends that are Costa Ricans, and, and man, they, they, they definitely didn't see that one coming, 3-0 at home. Um, looking at some other, you know, games from today, Azerbaijan uh, winning 3-0 versus Sweden in the Euro qualifiers, that's a little exciting too. That's something I didn't expect to see. Um, and then Liechtenstein only giving up two goals to Portugal. That was pretty interesting as well. Yep, it really was that's just amazing you never know what you're
0: going to get in World Cup qualifying that's for sure Fabian and it's always going to be a fun time to talk about these games when they uh, come around but we'll see what happens of course in the next matchup uh, the following uh, after this weekend and we'll see what, what's going on currently uh, Africa just got underway Asia's already got underway in their second round of qualifying uh, we're about to finish up the November window in 2023 for uh Coming bowl and then March March of 2024, uh, everything restarts, and CONCACAF will start off with their first round in World Cup qualifying. But of course, as always, as everyone knows, Canada, Mexico, the United States will not be uh, attempting World Cup qualifying. They are the host nations uh, in the North Zone block to host the World Cup in three years' time when we get to the summer of 2026. Let's go ahead and just wrap this up here, Fabian. Give me your positives and your negatives with this USA result over Trinidad.
1: Look, the positive is that they got the job done. I know, I know it could have been prettier. I know there could have been more goals, but we're going into Trinidad, Tobago with a multiple goal lead. And at the end of the day, that's a pretty secure scoreline to go into there and not have to worry about pouring in the goals. Uh, even though they had a man up, you know, maybe more than half of the game, they still found a way to score, uh, get hot at the right time and score three goals in 10 minutes. So um, the ugly, maybe I want to see a little bit more dominance from the midfield, um, see something where, you know, Gio Reyna was a little scattered in the first half, I felt like. He was drifting a little too far out, uh, not finding those pockets of space. If you Look, if Politics not on this team, is not on this team, Gio Reyna needs to be that guy. He has all the talent in the world to be the best player that the U.S. has ever seen. Uh, let's see if he lives up to the potential. And these are the games that you need to be able to see that, you know, where the brilliance of Gio Reyna. Um, and, and if we get to see that, that bad is going to turn into the, to the good. Um, and and we'll, we'll be, you know, all smiles going into the next round of this Nations League.
0: Absolutely. My good and bads of this. Uh, the good is this, obviously Ricardo Pepe, great in form, fantastic goal. Anthony Robinson did a fantastic job, fantastic goal as well with the combination, uh, Balogun to Gio Reino who converted that chance in the third minute, um, I think finally they broke through after such a tumultuous match uh, that they finally got a positive uh, result on this night. My negatives are, of course, I think we already explained it, no Pulisic, no Weah, uh, having the middle clogged up by Trinidad until that red card came in uh, in the first half, sending off Noah Powder. And uh, once again, if not for the uh, big saves by Denzel Smart of Trinidad, I mean the scoreline could have been a lot better for the U.S. But once again, uh, look—they they finally broke through within the remaining ten minutes of the match. It finally happened, and the United States comfortably will be heading down to Hazley Crawford Stadium at Port of Spain in Trinidad with the final of three goals to nil and hopefully to add more when they get down there. Fabian, thank you for joining me tonight. I appreciate your time uh, recapping this matchup between the United States men's national team and Trinidad and Tobago, and hope to have you back on again soon. Have a good night, my friend, and thank you for your assistance.
1: The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for bringing me on. Again, this was a blast, and Looking forward to seeing the next result.
0: All right. Have a good night, Fabian. Take care. Once again, Fabian Renkel from Area Sportsnet covering the California side, especially over in the Bay Area for the San Jose Earthquakes, joining me tonight. Fabian, again, thank you so much. All right. And this will do it for this post-match show in the first leg of the quarterfinals of the 2023-24 CONCACAF Nations League. Once again, if they get a positive result or at least a draw, they will advance to not only the semifinals of the CONCACAF Nations League next March in 2024, but they will also qualify for the Copa America directly. Once again, uh, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for joining me and Fabian Renkel tonight of Area Sportsnet. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long and have a good evening. Take care and bye-bye for now.